Howdy, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jake. Thank you for tuning in and or watching today's podcast. It should be coming out on Sunday, which is Christmas Eve. Or, yeah, that's Christmas Eve. So, I hope everyone's having a great Christmas Eve. And everyone's doing well. And uh, Merry Christmas tomorrow. Or if you are listening to this after Christmas, I hope everybody had a great Christmas. I am currently at home. I am your host. I'm, of course, you know, I'm your host, Jake. But I am currently at home by myself, and we're going to do something a little different today. As you can see, if you're on the YouTube, whatever video service you're watching this through, um, it's me. I have a background added in, you know, cut out the background behind me because I don't have a backdrop yet. So whatever, it's no big deal. And you can see on the other side of the screen is the Bible website. I use that a whole lot in my own reading and studies. I'm still using my own recorder system here. So hopefully we're getting the same sound quality. This is a little bit different for me. Uh, Chris and Stacy will be basically moving or getting ready to move at this point. Um, I know they'll be moving into their place pretty soon. Uh, Chris is in Omaha still, I believe. I'm, I, I think. But, so, yeah, it's just me today. Sorry, everybody, but we'll see what happens. Um, I have been kind of on this kick lately to uh, research the heck out of the Christmas story. Because I know, like most people, we all have our own conception of the Christmas story. And I'm pretty sure a majority of us have it wrong and way wrong. So we are going to kind of do a little deep dive into that right now. And I don't know how long this podcast will be, but it'll be how long it's going to be. <laughs> Let's get into this. So I want to kind of talk about the modern nativity scene is how I see it mainly portrayed around and how it's taught to kids and in children's books and the, the songs. And it's kind of just how we all grew up knowing about it, so to speak, or learning about it. So... Modern nativity scene is basically consists of like a little farm building, a shelter of some sort of lean-to, something with animals in it, hay, there's a manger, you have Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, well, baby Jesus, laying in the manger, and a manger is like a trough, but you know, and then you have the shepherds and the three wise men, like all their at the same point together. And I, I got real curious. Um, is that correct? Cause, uh, going through the Bible and I'm like, you know what? That doesn't sound correct at all, but I didn't really think about it until it got to about this time of year. It's, it's Christmas time. So I figured, you know what? Let's do a deep dive. Let's see how accurate things are that were taught to us. And let's see basically what the truth is. Like, did, did the song do it right? Did did what we were taught when we were kids get it right? I don't know. Let's let's figure this out. I've, I've done some research. I mean, I'm on theories now. I'm on thoughts now. But I know growing up as a kid, it was always, you know, you got baby Jesus, Mary Joseph, cows, pigs, sheep, horses, whatever around. Then you had the three shepherds, the three wise men, or however many shepherds, they, it's two to three, sometimes it always vary. Then you have a little drummer boy. By the way, the drummer boy is not in the Bible. That is not biblically accurate. It's just a song someone wrote. It's fun to sing. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in that song, so I'm not going to like bash the heck out of it, but just know that there was no drummer boy mentioned in the Bible. So I'm going to get here. I have notes on another screen. It's not going to be up on the YouTube I could put them on my Facebook later if people want it, because we do have a Facebook page, Talks and Crocs. Real easy to find us on there. Give us a follow on there as well if you want to. We do a lot of reels released on there, and we also do all our TikTok stuff. It's basically the same thing. So Facebook, TikTok, you'll see the same thing. So I got on here. The, mo uh, the modern nativity scene is not super biblically accurate, which it's not. Once you start going through reading in the Gospels that describe the birth of Christ and the events leading up to it, you'll see that our modern view on the nativity scene is not correct really at all. I mean, yes, there are still the main characters, uh, baby Jesus, you got Mary, you got Joseph, 
there are still shepherds and there are the wise men which are also known as the magi depending on which translation you read but a majority of them seem to say magi we're going to get into what those are later um these are all very important characters to the story and they all appear at different times in the story and most of them aren't at the same time and we're going to get into that too so i kind of covered my own misconception of the story i covered so far what we all like kind of were taught growing up like some of us may have had a little bit more biblical understanding but like people like me i didn't grow up in the church and i know there's a whole lot of people that didn't so we just have what the TV showed us and what we saw on the side of the roads or near people's houses of a nativity scene. I mean, yes, I, we would randomly go to the a Christmas service, but I still saw a lot of those Christmas services. And even in elementary when I was a kid, things were not how they were biblically, which I can understand. It can be hard to teach children the full story. So it might be easier just to mesh things together. But I know with my son, I'm going to teach him what the Bible says and what history says with it. And I'm not just going to dummy it down because I know my son is smart and I'm not going to treat him like he is not smart. So I want to go first off. As you can see on my screen, I am in John chapter 1. And in my opinion, that is really where the Christmas story begins. It's... Not, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can say the Christmas story begins when Jesus is born, but here's the thing. Jesus was around before, um, I get, before Mary and Joseph, long before. He was before around before creation, and it's right here in John chapter 1, in verses 1 through, was it 5, which I'll go ahead and read right now. So, in John chapter 1, reads this, and I'm reading from the KJV, I found that, Yes, I use different translations. Most of the translation that I like to use is the NLT. That's what I like to read. It's the easiest to understand. But I found the KJV the most, I guess, knowledge-based in this aspect anyway. And I was able to get a lot more information, a lot more, I guess, accurate information. So with that, I use the KJV in a majority of all of it. I mean, I think I have an NLT or ESV, one of the two. For Matthew uh, part in this podcast, we're going to go over right here, KJV, John 1, well, John chapter 1, yeah. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness... And the darkness comprehended it not. So, granted, I'm not a KJV guy, but I did like how everything went with this. And it's 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 pretty awesome to read that and to read that it's referring to the word was with God, right? So Jesus is being referred to as the word. Why is that such a big deal? Why why is that a big deal? He it's the beginning. When God created things what did he do he didn't just go blah, blah, you know and just things were there he in genesis it talks about he spoke it into into existence the word created it he with, with his word he he spoke things into existence so that to me is super important because that shows that jesus was there he his story doesn't just start in the gospels his story is in genesis i mean it's three and one you got uh, you got God, Yahweh, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, also known as Yeshua in the old language, and the Holy Spirit. It's, it's three in one. It's the Trinity. It, it is all present before the beginning and in the beginning. So in the beginning of the, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's a huge deal. The Christmas story doesn't just begin when Jesus is born as a human. It doesn't begin when God is born as a human being, when he took human flesh. The, the story begins long before anything was ever recorded. So, that's why I went to this one first. Uh, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Because it, it makes an amazing point. I'm going to move into now Luke. Let me see here. Chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And we're going to 
talk about you know let's just let's just read it first how about that and in the sixth month the angel gabriel was sent from god unto a city of galilee named nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was joseph now real quick espoused means she was like um engaged she was going to be married to the guy to joseph the house of david which that's a big deal because it says the Messiah is going to come from the line, the lineage of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came... Hold well, on, let me see here what I want to do. Yep, we're going to do the, read the whole thing. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this might be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? So she's referring there uh, like she's still a virgin. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren for with god nothing shall be impossible and mary said behold the handmaid of the lord be it unto me according to thy word and the angel departed from her all right so when you start breaking this down the reason i bring this in yes this is important because gabriel's sitting there coming up he's telling mary hey you're gonna get pregnant with the messiah and you're gonna he's gonna be the son of god you're gonna call him the son of man and it's, it, it, this is the supreme holy being showing up and he's going to be born unto you and hey you're the mom of the messiah get yourself prepared the big thing i bring this up is the very first line and in the sixth month the angel gabriel was sent from god unto galilee this name nazareth a city in galilee galilee city in galilee there we go name nazareth here's the deal so in the sixth month uh, there's a big uh, I guess misconception by people that we like to go off the Gregorian calendar system. That's what we use now. And they'll argue this right here where it says, and in the sixth month. So in our calendar system, the sixth month is what? June. The sixth month is June. So here's the deal with that. If he was conceived in June, no way he would have been born in December, right? He would have been born in the springtime. Here's the thing with that. Okay, so... 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago now, because we're in 2023, they weren't using the Gregorian calendar system. These were people of Israel. They were Jewish. They were using a Jewish calendar. So what is the sixth month of the Jewish calendar? So the sixth month of the Jewish calendar is called Adar. And it's the sixth month of the civil year and the twelfth month of the religious year of the Hebrew calendar. So what does this month correspond to with our Gregorian calendar? So roughly it corresponds to the month of March in the Gregorian calendar. What does that mean? What is nine months after March? Nine months after March is what month? Oh, it's this month. It's December. So instead of using our idiotic human brains of now... We need to read and research and understand the context of the situations going on and realize that, no, they weren't using a Gregorian calendar back then. There were, th these people of Israel, these Hebrews, were using the Hebrew calendar, the, the month of Adar is the sixth month, and right there, and in the sixth month, so March, nine months later, December. Not that hard. I, I mean, it's not that hard to figure this out, but... People sit there, we, we just want to think and we want to argue and people are like, oh, I'm not Christian and I'm going to argue these little things. 
And I'm sure there's more arguments, but I'm just going with what I see off of TikTok and YouTube and Facebook right now. So I want to talk about something else that, so she was, um, what, how do they say it again? Let me, let me get back to the Bible app. I've got a different thing pulled up up here. So she was, where's it at? She saw him. She well, basically Mary was engaged to Joseph. And so here's the thing. When Joseph found out she was preggers, um, he didn't want to be with her anymore, but the dude was a good guy. And that, it goes to show this when we get, we can go over to Matthew, which I got right here pulled up. It's uh, Matthew 1, well, Matthew chapter 1, not Matthew 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through like 22 or whatnot, talks about how he Joseph finds out that she's pregnant, and he's like, hey, I'm not a bad guy but I'm not willing to make this a public issue. So he's gonna, he was going to like kind of leave her privately. Cause in his mind, think about it. All of a sudden your engaged to you wife shows up pregnant. Uh, what are you going to think? What are you going to think is happening? You're going to think she's cheating on you. That she went and laid with another man. You're not going to think, oh, obviously this is immaculate conception and she's carrying God's child, the, the child of God, God in human form. You're not going to think that. You're going to think she cheated on you. So let's, let's go ahead and read this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother, Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example was minded to put her away privily, so privately. But while he thought of these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call this name, his name, Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with a child, and shall bring a fourth son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. And knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. I think it's very important to understand that, that yes, Joseph had issues when he found out she was pregnant. But because of the act of God of telling, showing up in Joseph's dream, the angel of the Lord. So the uh, angel is another term for like spirit back then. So the angel of the Lord. So... God showed him, hey, yo, Jesus, not Jesus. Hey, yo, Joseph. Wow, <laughs> I messed up there. Hey, yo, Joseph, it's okay. It's me in there. It's the Messiah in there. It's Emmanuel, God with us. Joseph, of course, did not lay with his wife. That's what it says there. Took his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. So they didn't consummate their marriage until after Jesus was born. So in case y'all were wondering, yeah, it says it right there in the Bible. Let's move forward. Let me look at my notes here. So the next event in this story, um, Joseph and Mary are having to travel to Bethlehem for the census because Herod is wanting taxation and he told everybody to go back to where they were from and they figured out their taxes that way. So they are in Bethlehem currently. And uh, they're... They're trying to find somewhere to stay, but as I, as we all know, the inns are full of people, and they need to find somewhere to stay so they can have this child. So I have here Luke going to Luke two. Okay, so the Luke two one through seven or so talks about this where they have to go to a, because of a census have to return back home and get all taxed and such. So I'm going to read this to you. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. 
So everyone where they are from. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. So, you know, he's a descendant of King David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So she is prager. She's ready to burst, ready to pop. That little dealie that's on those turkeys, that thing is out saying, hey, we're done. It's uh, time for this baby. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. So she's like, hey, she's going to have this baby. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Was the manger a... Okay, first off, what is a manger? I, I had to look that up because like we, we all see... Like I had the misconception growing up that a manger that that was the actual place, you know, the the building, the barn, what have you, the shelter, the shed, the lean to. But that's not what a manger is. A manger is a trough for fodder or a structure or feeder used to hold food for animals. I mean, uh, a trough so it can be used for water as well. But that's what a manger is. So they have this trough there. Lined it with hay for you know bedding for the the baby to sleep in or lay it down and be comfortable because you're not just gonna put it in a wooden trough or like a stone trough or something that wouldn't be comfortable for a baby. The baby would be crying constantly, and uh, as a parent, I know how irritating that could be. So obviously, this thing is lined with hay. Got the baby in there. So we need to talk also about was the manger in a barn or shed like most depictions or songs or movies show. And I did a little bit of research into it. And uh, the common, I guess, thought or fact currently is that the manger was actually a cave and not a wooden structure like a barn or shed or lean-to. And I got to think that would make sense because if... You have this land, you have animals, you ha you need you need a place to store food. Well, think about it. A cave would be much more structurally sound for the most part, depending on where you are. But like uh, an above ca above ground cave would be much more structurally sound than a lean-to. And you're not going to worry about wind or storms blowing it over. A lot of times they will stay a more common humidity and temperature in there so it's a lot easier to store things and you know what what's going to happen to it so you know what to put in there what not to put in there and you can put your animals in there for a lot more safety and you guess what you don't got to worry about a cave burning down either so that that kind of helps so the common theory and thought process now there there's another there's a church out there that has this cave adorned like saying hey this is where jesus was born so they think they know the place now I haven't looked into how they came to that conclusion. If you want me to, I can later. But it was also thought that that cave that he was born in was possibly some other cult used it a long time before that. But what have you, you know, God turns everything from bad to good. So that could be what happened there. Also, I want to talk about something at the end of this to see if I remember. But let's keep moving before I get sidetracked and let my ADHD just take over here. Okay, so right after that, so Jesus is born. He's laid in a manger. The shepherds show up in most stories, and that seems to be the accurate thing. The shepherds show up. And that is going to be Luke 2, 8 through 20. Let me get there. So it's uh, labeled as the angel song or whatnot. But here we go. I'm just going to read it for everybody. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. So, yeah, straight up, you'd be scared out of your freaking mind if, some, if the angel of the Lord showed up. The, the, a freaking thing that you couldn't comprehend just shows up, right? It, it, bright. You're in the dark, it's December, you're watching over your sheep herd, and then boom, angel there, right? Okay. And the angel said unto them, Yo, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, good will toward men. And it came to a pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. And the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. So real quick, how old was Jesus when the shepherds showed up? He was a baby, you know, a few hours to a couple days old. And they, they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. So they, of course, you know, told Mary, hey, you know, angel came and told us about this and told us to show up, right? It's pretty miraculous. So I have here the issue with this passage is that people think that it's, you know, it's December. There's no way in heck that there are going to be shepherds in the fields guarding their flocks. Well, there's a problem with that. They think, you know, it's going to be too cold. There's snow on the ground. There's no way animals are going to be out there. Have you ever been out in the country, even in the U.S. here? It could be a blizzard outside. You have cows out. There are sheep out. It don't matter. And guess what? The farmers and ranchers have to go out there and check on these animals. You just can't leave them out there to survive on their own. That's just dumb. That's not going to happen. They're going to die without you being out there. So, here it is. The, the, the average temperature also in that region, like it's recorded, the average temperature is like a high of 57 degrees to a low of around 47 degrees. You get about 10 degree variation there. Now, where I'm from here in Nebraska, 57 degrees, we're running around in shorts, maybe a hoodie if there's a wind. But most of the time, the <laughs> most famous thing you're going to get from us around then, us northern people, is, man, if it would be a lot nicer if that wind wasn't blowing. So here's the deal with that. It's 57 to 47 degrees. It's a moderate climate. It's not too cold for sheep to be out there grazing. It's not too cold for shepherds to be out there with the sheep. They could have on their furs and have a camp excuse me, a campfire, bed rolls, what have you, and stay plenty warm. <laughs> we go out in much colder temperatures here in Nebraska. We'll be out in negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit. By the way, that's 57 Fahrenheit, 47 Fahrenheit. We'll be out there negative 20 Fahrenheit, even colder, to deal with our animals. It, it's not unheard of. And if you are thinking that, <laughs> oh, that's cold, there's snow on the ground, it's just, no, you're being arrogant to think that there couldn't be shepherds out there at that time of the year. So in all reality, it is not that cold. It can be kept warm with a fire, proper clothing and blankets. Not to mention, you can also go online and find pictures from all over the world where shepherds are with their flocks of sheep and even in the snow. So now normally the song and stories that we grew up with goes that the three magi or more commonly, the three wise men or the three kings show up bearing gifts and praise and worship and then leave. Well, there's a lot more to it than that. Commonly, the scene takes place in the manger right after the shepherds leave. But here's the thing. That is an extremely common misconception that needs to be corrected. And here's how I'll refer to them as the magi because it just makes more sense, especially when you look at the history of what the magi are. It makes more sense as to how they got to the conclusions they came to and showed up in the first place. So we need to discuss first what the Magi or the wise men actually were and where they are from. And I'm going to go to Matthew 2, 1 through 2. So now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of King, well, of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east, to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are coming to worship him. 
So this tells us where the Magi are from. What 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 is what does in the east mean? So in the east is referring to like Persia or the region that that region there. And why is this important to know? That means the Magi could not have made it to the manger right after the shepherds. They could, even if they saw the star and realized, boom, yo, this star means the, 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 the Messiah, the Jewish people are here, the king of the Jews is here. They couldn't have made it even within a few days. Why? Because that was anywhere from 1,000 to 1,500 miles that they had to travel in order to get there. Okay, in a plane, you can maybe make that in a day. But they were either on foot or camels or horseback, and no way in heck were they going to make it there at that time. So also, think about this. They're going to see... the, the, the So the Magi, here's what they are. The Magi are like on the lower totem pole of, uh, I guess you could say, religious totem pole in that area because they are also pagans. They're Gentiles. They're, they're pagan Gentiles. <laughs> So they're they don't they're not Jewish in the slightest. So these magi that show up, they're not Jews that are showing up to see the king of the Jews. They they are pagans. And they study the stars. They study the heavens for their signs. You know, we're gonna do this at this time because these stars line up and do this, this, and this. That's what the Magi were. They were like the early astronomers of their time, and they would do different things and associate different things depending on what the astrological signs were. And sometimes they were also referred to as magicians, you know, magi, magician, what have you. So they got the sign from coming from the west to them. So they saw it from when they were in the east and they see it come from the west. They're like, holy cow, look at that. Well, you got to ask yourself, why would God give them a sign that they normally interpret? Well, how else are you going to speak to pagans that don't know how... That the, they might have a slight inclining because they're not that far from Israel, but they might not know how God is going to talk to them. They might not know how Yahweh is going to sit there and give them signs. So God is like, okay, I'm going to speak in a language that these people understand. I'm going to give them the, a sign, and they're going to interpret it this way by the sign that I give them. They're going to interpret that, hey, the king of the Jews, the Messiah, God was born on earth. And that's what they're going to get from this sign, which I think is a huge deal because it is like the beginning. Jesus, through Jesus, the Gentiles are saved along with whatever Israelites, you know, the, the Jewish people, the Hebrews, they're saved as well. But the, the Gentiles, we are only saved because of Christ. And this is the beginning of us being saved in the history of the Bible, the biblical, the biblical structure. It's incredible to think that this is the start of us Gentiles being saved. I know some people listening to this might not be Gentiles, but here's the deal. I'm not Jewish. I'm a Gentile. Am I a Christian? Yes. I'm a Christ follower? Yes, but I am a Gentile. So this is the beginning of that. Also, I want to point out, too, that they had to study this sign. They might not have gotten this, figured this whole thing out right away. It may have taken them a lot of time to figure this out. So you, you could be... Anywhere from one to three years by the time the Magi actually showed up into Jerusalem. Because they went to Jerusalem first. They didn't go to Bethlehem right away. They went to Jerusalem first, uh, where King Herod is. And I want to point something out. Um, the Bible never gives us a number of these Magi that showed up. They never give us a definitive amount. So I think the reason we see it in songs and stuff as three is it just goes along with the rhyming of the songs a lot, and it, it, it just goes really well. But it doesn't make sense that three dudes would just show up in Jerusalem and freak out all the people of Jerusalem and Herod, the king, and then that they would just show up and king king be like, hey, yo, what y'all doing? I think after reading through the scriptures and different sources, that there had to have been many, many more than three men that showed up. Because think about this. If you're also these people that figured out, you know, God is here on earth now, that some, you're a pagan, but boom, this is such a significant sign that you're willing to go to Israel to travel to the land of the Hebrews to worship the Hebrew God. This is huge. You, like, have undeniable proof. You have, like, und an undeniable thought 
that this is the Messiah showing up. This is the guy that's going to save everybody. This is the king. The king of the Jews is here. You think it's just three dudes who are going to be keep that? No, they're, they probably, during their studies, went and got through many different people, went and talked to their teachers, talked to their elders, and through all this convinced, I don't know how many untold people, and showed up in Jerusalem. And they, they showed up in such an amount of people and were asking so many questions. They're like, hey, where's the king of the Jews? You know, because they didn't know that the prophecies said where he was going to be born. This is something that King Herod, or Herod the king, whichever, however you want to say it, he went and got his priests and his scholars, and he had them do their research and figure out where the Messiah was supposed to be born, and they all came to the conclusion that he was going to be born in the city of David, which is Bethlehem. And we're going to get there. I think that's uh, Matthew 2, 3, verses 6. So let me get back to that page here. So when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. So right there, all of Jerusalem was troubled. Three guys aren't going to stir up the entire city of Jerusalem. So with the entire city of Jerusalem freaked out, of course it's going to get the king's attention. His people are going to be like, yo, king, something's going on here. There's just mass people asking all these questions about the Messiah. This, this needs your attention. So when Herod the king... Had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people is so after this so right here then herod when had privily called the wise men inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared and he sent them then to bethlehem and go and search diligently for the young child right there that, that gives a clue on how old jesus was child not baby anymore so child we'll get back to that and when ye have found him Bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced and with exceedingly great joy. So, I want to go back there. It says they found the child, right? The child. Not the babe. So I want to point out this common misconception here that we're all taught that the wise men showed up and Jesus was a, a babe. He was not a baby. He was a child. This further leads to the one to three years it took for the bad guy to show up and find Jesus. And also, get this, they didn't find him in a manger. They found him in a house. Let's see here. And then, okay, so, that, yeah, that's verses 11 through 12 of Matthew 2. And when they were come into the house, the house, the house, not a manger, the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Okay, so why were they told to go another route? Here's the deal. King Herod, not really a good guy. Not really a good guy at all. He, when they told him that a governor was going to be born and rule all of Israel, he was like, hey, my kingship is threatened. I am not going to be the top dog anymore. I want to kill this child, so I need to find out where he is. And he thought that all these magi were just going to come back, and be like, "Yo, King, the dude is over here. Yo, our Savior is over here. This is where he's at. Go worship him." And then, more likely, Herod would have killed him and the whole family. They would have mafiaed him. That's probably what would have happened. They would have Italian mafia massacred the people, the the Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. Because he was threatened, his kingship was threatened in his opinion, and he didn't want to lose it. Now, I want to talk about the gifts 
that are brought from the Magi. And so the gifts brought from the Magi all have some different kind of meaning. Um, these all seem to be that of an offering when you think about it. So they brought these gifts, laid them before the feet as an offering. They laid them before Jesus, before Mary as offerings. So let's get to the gifts. The gifts were frankincense, myrrh, and gold. And they were laid at the feet of the of Jesus, basically, as an offering. Well, who do you give offerings to? You don't give them to people back then. You, you don't give these things to people. They, you, you give these in worship to God, or worship as the pagans say, of a God. But I think these guys were at the point where they weren't going to be pagan anymore, or at least not anytime soon they weren't going to be paganistic. So the gold, what do we think the gold was for? Well, it's the same thing it'd be for now. Uh, Mary, Joseph, they weren't rich people. They didn't have a lot of money. Yes, he was a carpenter, and you know we all know Jesus became, became a carpenter as well. But did they have a lot of money? No. So they, the, the wise men, the magi, or kings, what have you. They weren't kings, by the way. They were, they were magi or wise men. Um, they left gold. Help the family out financially. You know, give them some monetary means to live. And, you know, help the baby grow. Because they, they knew what the baby was. They knew who was the Messiah. Sorry. They knew what the child was. Caught myself there. They knew who he was. And they wanted to help provide for a good life for the child. Next, we have the frankincense, which is used in all sorts of ceremonies and different offerings in the temples for God. Uh, bringing this gift, um, it is believed, well, you, you could deduce that by bringing this gift, the Magi affirm that Jesus is not just an ordinary person, but is both fully man and fully God. How can we deduce that? Well, here's the deal. Frankincense was used in ceremonies of offering and other things, specifically in the temple by the priests for God. Third, the last gift was myrrh. Myrrh is interesting because it also comes into play during the execution of Christ. And that the fact they had wine laced with myrrh, which was supposed to be like kind of a painkiller, to help him through the experience, but Jesus, he denied that. So that, that's another episode we'll talk about later. Right now we're talking about his birth and the beginning of his childhood. So they brought myrrh. Myrrh was an exotic biblical spice that was used in purification and beautification rites. It was also one of the key ingredients used in the sacred oils used to anoint kings and priests. So by doing this, they're anointing him basically as king. They knew that even though he was a child, he was king. He was fulfilling the prophecies. How'd they know this? They knew this because God spoke to them in their own language, their own understanding. Which I want to get back to. So, so they brought all these gifts. They had great importance, you know, gold, monetary reasons, frankincense, was used in ceremonies and offerings in the temple for to God. Myrrh anointing. They do this because God told them through signs that they could understand, that pagans could understand, that the Gentiles could understand. This also shows that God is not just the key the God is not just God of the Hebrews. He's God of the world. He's God of everybody. That's that's something I just realized there. It, it's showing that he is God of us all. He is our Father. And that's amazing. So, I also want to talk about people, the, another issue that they have, this came to mind just now, of uh, they have, with Christmas being in December, on the 25th of December, you know, the fact that it was a pagan ritual for the winter solstice, celebration of the winter solstice, and it was that way for thousands of years. Yes, that is true. Like, okay, so the church only put this holiday in. They only say Jesus was born in December because of the pagans and their want to encroach on that ritual. Um, I wouldn't say it was the church that did it. I would say it was God that did it because Jesus was conceived in March, not June. And the standard gestation period for a human being is nine months. 
Therefore, Jesus was born at that time, and it's another example of God trying to bring the pagans and the Gentiles, trying to, to save them. Because his son, you know, he, he, he is born in December during the time of these celebrations. So we can look and be like, hey, Jesus is born this day. We don't know the day. It doesn't give us an exact date, but we know he was born in this month. We know he was born this month. From reading from the Bible, I can't concur with December 25th being the day he was born, but I can figure out. I can deduce through reasoning, through logical reasoning of researching the calendar, the Hebrew calendar, comparing it to our calendar, that he was born in December. He would have been born in the time of the winter solstice, which would interrupt the pagans' ritual, yes. And we do celebrate the birth of Christ in December. It is very important to do so. All right, guys. So this whole podcast, it's not a long one. Um, I know. But I felt like it was very important to go over the Christmas story and realize that what you see on TV, what you hear in the songs, is not quite always correct. And you should do your own research. And personally, I am going to teach my kids the biblical understanding of the Christmas story and not what we see on TV. Yes, some some things on TV are awesome. There are some great glorifying God and Jesus situations from these songs and TV shows. But the deal is this, that we need to... Go back to our Bible. We need to do our own research. We need to get our own understanding. And I want to challenge all the different pastors and priests and people teaching the Bible that you really need to go and teach the Bible. Don't teach the child songs and children's stories. Teach what's there. If you don't understand it, go and research what you don't understand. I get a lot of perspective from doing this study of mine and just to know that, yeah, the shepherds showed up, Jesus was a baby. The wise men showed up, the magi showed up, and Jesus was a child. So that means he was a lot. I think the majority of what I was reading and finding was that most people believe he was a minimum three years of age when they showed up at the house that Mary and Joseph and Jesus were. They didn't show up in there in, to the manger. That was the shepherds. The shepherds, yes, they could have been out and about in December. It's not unheard of. It's really not that cold that time of year in that region. Nor here. In fact, right now, it's, it was like almost 50 degrees outside today. It felt like I was outside in shorts and a t-shirt, whatever. But it seems to me that by doing my own research, all these people that are have these things against the Christmas story say, no way this could be this because of this, or this could be this because of this. I'm finding them wrong. And originally when I read through it, the, the portion where it said the sixth month, I didn't go through and look up the Hebrew calendar, which was wrong. I should have done that. Because then I was like, no way Jesus could have been born in December if he was uh, conceived in June, which is true. He wanted him in. But he wasn't conceived in June. He was conceived in March. And it's amazing to find, to figure out that God spoke to these pagans, these Gentiles, in a way that they would understand that's unique to them to the point where they could figure out that, hey, the king of the Hebrews is born. The son of man, God himself, God, God in the flesh is born. And they came to see him and worship him. And that it, it didn't take a couple days. It took a year, year and a half, two years for them to show up when they finally decided to depart. Because it, it takes preparation for them to make that journey. And the fact that it wasn't just three dudes, it was more likely many, many dudes, many, many people that were in Jerusalem. And Herod trying to find the guy, pointed them into the right city. And then their sign showed up there and pointed them at the house, pointed them to the house where they were able to find Jesus. It's amazing. And I thank everybody for listening to this. Um, hopefully you learned something. 
If you have any comments or questions, please feel free to email me at toxincrocs at gmail.com or leave comments below on whatever video platform you're on or in, I, I see the Podbean and the uh, Spotify comments and I think Apple comments. I see those too. So go ahead and leave that below and I'm sure I will have TikTok clips of this. So follow us on TikTok as well and you can comment there when these get put up. I hope everyone's having a great holiday weekend. And remember, the reason for the season is not just presents. Yes, giving presents can be like mimicking what the Magi did for Jesus. And you're providing joy to people. But make sure that people understand that the reason for the season is Jesus. It's not Santa. It's not Saint Nick. It's not little elves running around. Yes, those are cutesy little things and story tales and fantasies we tell our kids. But make sure they also know the reason is Jesus Christ, that he was born this month for us. He was born as a sacrifice for us. He was born to live the life as a human being so they could experience human life so that they would be able to die for us, that he would be able to die for us. I said they a lot because it's, it's Jesus is God. Jesus is Jesus. Jesus is the Holy Spirit. He's all things. He just became flesh so he could be our sacrifice, he, so that he could die for us, he could atone for our sins because he never sinned. And to be a sacrifice, your blood needs to be pure. It's a meaning you can't sin. All right. Everybody, Merry Christmas. I love you guys. And uh, Chris ain't here to say the prayer, so I might as well just say it. Lord God, please bless the people that hear this. Please give them some kind of knowledge, discernment over this matter, the Christmas story. I know what we are told and taught a majority of the time is not followed biblically, accurately, and fully, but it, there are truths in the, what we are taught. And I pray that people do their own research and their own reading and understand the truths. I pray, God, also that everybody is having a great time with their families and that they keep you center of it all, Lord God. I love you. Thank you. Please watch over everybody. Please cover them in your armor of light for protection. And I pray everybody makes it to where they're going and back safely in Jesus' name I pray Amen I love you guys thank you for listening thank you for watching have a great day bye